Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. To us. Fires. Touchdown, Miami. Waddle snuck into the end zone of Miami. Boy, tight throw, tight window. They had to get that touchdown on that play. They get it. What is up, Dolphins, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How is it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and on today's show, we pick up our 2022 season preview, both with the Miami Dolphins and the National Football League at large. We'll stop by the running backs room to hear from Coach Studisville, Mike McDaniel, and Chris Greer on what they look for at the position and a look into each player's skill set on the roster. Plus, the divisional preview series continues today with the NFC South. From somewhere in central Washington, this is the Drive Time Podcast. So it's part two of our 10-part training camp preview series to get you ready for the end of July and the return of Dolphins football and help kind of serve as an audio guide to training camp, as it were, with all the players and details and stats and jersey numbers for the 90-man roster here again, heading into to really what I consider the start of the football season as training camp brings us content, you know, five, six times a week. And that leads right into the regular season and the opener against the Patriots. But first, let's go ahead and recap the offseason that was here in the running back room and get you ready for a camp with the Dolphins backs. And we start with the personnel changes. There were a lot. Chase Edmonds, Raheem Mostert, Sony Michelle, the three veteran acquisitions at the running back position from the Cardinals, Niners, and Rams. Zaquandre White, the undrafted free agent out of South Carolina in the Dolphins running backs room. And then a couple of fullbacks, Alec Ingold from the Las Vegas Raiders and John Lovett of the Green Bay Packers will duke it out in training camp with a pair of incumbents in Savon Ahmed and Miles Gaskin. The departures, Duke Johnson's in Buffalo now, Philip Lindsay is with the Colts, Malcolm Brown, Patrick Laird, and Jordan Scarlett, as of this taping, are free agents. And in the coaching staff, you talk about the turnover in that room in terms of the personnel, the longest tenured member of the coaching staff resides here in the running backs room with Coach Eric Studisville. And he's been coaching running backs in the NFL for 25 years now. He served as an interim head coach in that time, a run game coordinator, assistant head coach, and co-offensive coordinator. Now, in his first year in Mike McDaniel's staff, he earns the tag of associate head coach. So, there is a lot of knowledge and wisdom in that running back room. You talk about the acquisitions they make as far as veteran running backs go with Edmonds, Moster, and Michelle, three guys that have had a lot of success in their career, both individually and with their teams. And I found this clip from my interview with coach Mike McDaniel and GM Chris Greer back in March 
really interesting because they talk about Mike McDaniel having this experience as a run game coordinator himself and kind of the value that he puts, you know, in the in running the football in the modern age of the of the NFL and this pass happy league and the value of the running game and obviously what they showed you with the Niners and the ability to run the football and how it can impact the passing game all those years with Kyle Shanahan and Mike McDaniel there. I thought this clip was going to be interesting to talk about or to listen to with Chris Greer and then to assess the idea of going out and getting accomplished players like Edmonds, Mostert, and Michelle. Let's go ahead and hear from Chris Greer in that interview and talking about the scouting staff and the coaching staff kind of being aligned in what they look for, not just at the running back position, but the importance of that synergy for the entire roster between scouting staff and coaching staff. You know, like the other day with the scouts, Mike has prepared a, a tape of what he's looking for, at, you know, the running back position. And it was a great teaching moment, you know, for us. And, and the offensive coaching staff came in and sat and listened. So a very good visual opportunity for all the scouts and, and coaches to be in the one room talking about, you know, what we're looking for at the position and, you know, the things that, you know, Mike has had success in finding players at, at San Francisco. I know our scouts that really appreciate because I know a couple of them reached out to Mike and said how much they enjoyed it. It was a good visual opportunity for all the scouts and coaches to be in one room talking about what we're looking for at the position and the things that Mike has had success at finding in San Francisco. I thought that was really interesting. And then you go to the fact that Mostert, Michelle, and Edmonds all came from the NFC West, these the same division as the 49ers, obviously. With those three proven veterans, you get Zaquandre White, the undrafted rookie, to up and down the group. The Dolphins running back room here really has shown a proclivity across the board for playing really all three downs. And that's whether you go from white in college or the veterans we talked about, Miles Gaskin, Savon Ahmed, the fullbacks as well with Ingold and Lovett. And I wanted to play this clip for you here from Dolphins running backs coach Eric Studisville because he talks a little bit about, I asked him, is it important to you to get backs that complement one another in terms of their skill sets? And he talks about the importance of just finding backs to win football games, but then he kind of divulges a little further into how they can possibly use the room they have to hit different skill sets and how it's important to have different types of skill sets in order to be able to match a different type of game that might come up on, you know, with or without notice. Let's go ahead and play this clip here from Coach Dudesville talking about that room. And then after that, a clip talking about how those guys have brought their work habits into the room and the positive benefit of having those veterans in the running back room. We want to get a group that's going to help us win games. However, that is done. If that's a speed factor and then those guys are a part of it, or if it's a different style of play that we have to do to win, the, the, we're, we're going to try to find the guys that give us the best chance to win games. And that's why I do think you need to have some different bodies in there, some different play styles in there. But um, as far as that they have to complement each other, it's, it, that changes sometimes week to week and even game to game, and even within the game in times and how games are going. And then here's the follow-up about how those guys have inserted themselves in that room and the competition that will ensue in that position this coming training camp. Their interaction is great. They're all professionals. They're all really good. They get along with each other. They encourage each other. They talk to each other and help each other. And, and what's going to happen is, and, and it's the right thing in this situation, is we're going to put them out there and they're going to go and compete. And the best, the best ones are going to play and they're going to play more and that's just how it is. And that's the right way, I think, for things to sort out. That's the group at a glance. That's the coaching staff. Let's go ahead and get now to the cast and go in order of jersey number and start with number two, Chase Edmonds. And, I mean, the speed pops off the tape when you watch him. The vision, the cutback ability, the lateral agility, all that stuff kind of intertwines together to make this guy such an explosive back and an explosive player at the position. And I think the tape bears that out, and I think the advanced metrics bear that out because 
Not only is Chase Edmonds one of seven running backs to exceed 1,000 yards on the ground and 700 yards through the air since 2020, he also boasted the third best rushing EPA. That's expected points added. And for the not analytically inclined or I guess interested party out there, EPA is essentially a model that measures the impact of every single play and the outcome on win probability and a player's given impact on that play. I know a lot of folks really rely upon that metric to tell them kind of what's what in the National Football League. So take take it for what you will, but he was third among all running backs in EPA in 2021 behind only Jonathan Taylor and Tony Pollard. He reached a high speed of 15 plus miles per hour on 23.3% of his carries last season. That was most among all running backs with at least 100 rushing attempts. He also averaged 5.1 yards per carry, 2.66 average yards after initial contact from Pro Football Focus, and he was eighth in Next Gen's yard over expected metric. That's uh, 0.58 yards over expected rushing. Again, models with information that tell you what should happen on a given play, given you know a baseline level of circumstances, and then players make plays extending beyond that or worse than that. And that gives you your yards over expected metric. He's positive in that stat and eighth among running backs last year in the NFL. And, you know, electric running style with that can sometimes be confused with a one type of, you know, one trick pony at multiple positions, right? If he's a burner, he can't do this. Chase Edmonds is a lot more than just a speed back. The vision we talked about, but he's also a tough, hard-nosed runner who puts his nose down and gets upfield. That's evident by the fact that last year on rushing attempts with three or fewer yards to gain, he was 16 of 22, a 72.2% conversion rate. Big, big fan of Chase Edmonds. He was the first announced or reported, I should say, signing back in free agency, and you can see why. This guy's game is really, really good. Number 23, Jared Dokes, heading into a second season, earned valuable experience on the practice squad in 2021, and he brings that lunch pail mentality to the running back room, right? We heard Coach Dewsville talking about different games requiring different types of running styles and different systems, and that can require different types of backs. Well, Dokes is a big back with who brings an absolute load when he just gets behind those pads and runs heavy, and he had a perfect uh, pass protection stat count in his final season at Cincinnati. He didn't play last year for the Dolphins. Zero pressures allowed and 31 pass blocking snaps. He also forced 25 missed tackles on 144 rushing attempts. That's a pretty good number there. One point one every 5.7 carries uh, at college. Number 26, Savon Achman. Another one of these dual threat backs that can catch the football and run the ball. 468 career on the ground, 178 through the air, uh, sparingly played here and there. And he rushed for a career high 122 yards in that victory over the Patriots back in 2020, but he saw more production last year in the passing game. Had, a, Of course, we, we talk about it all the time in the podcast, that catch against the Bears, the wheel route in that preseason game that went for a touchdown. We see that in practice sometimes too. So he has a way of making big plays in the passing game, whether it's down the field, in the screen game, and just has electric home run type of speed. So he's a fun back to watch. Number 30, Alec Ingold coming over from the Raiders former Wisconsin fullback has really picked up where he left off in college. And you go back to watching him on tape back in college. He was that neck roll, roll him up in the A gap or the B gap, take out the linebacker who's not, you know, wasn't accounted for in the blocking scheme besides your fullback. He goes in there, takes him out and leads one of those great Wisconsin backs to a touchdown. Had a lot of that in his career with the Raiders as well. But he's also got super smooth hands as a receiver, which you know you can use that on, you know, misdirection or you leak a fullback out into the flat unexpectedly. The last person they expect to get out in the pass pattern and he can make the most of those plays. He has a receiving touchdown each of his first three years in the league and averages seven points. 0.02 yards per catch as a pro. Not bad. 
Number 31, Raheem Mostert, the two fastest registered high speeds on a football field in the NFL, probably any any level of football, right? Since 2016 belonged to Raheem Mostert. Can you believe that? He had top speeds of 23.09 miles per hour and 22.37 miles per hour on a pair of long touchdowns in that 2020 season, an 80-yard touchdown run and a 76-yard touchdown reception. So if you get him to that third line of defense and they miss a tackle or he makes a guy miss, it's over. That's 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 it, and that's what you like to see in a league that really benefits the explosive play these days. And those big plays have helped Mostert boast the best rushing average at 5.7 yards per carry since he came into the league back in 2015. He is he's smooth. He's sharp. He can really stretch plays out and stretch out gaps and then find those gaps and pick those gaps as a runner. He's a lot of fun to watch. I'm sure you guys will have as much fun watching him as I do when I put on the tape. Number 34, Sony Michelle. Four years as a pro, two Super Bowl championships, and he has a penchant for showing up in the biggest moments, especially during the Patriots' 2018 championship run when he had 336 rushing yards and six touchdowns in three postseason games. In the last year for the Rams, they had a bunch of attrition at the running back position with Daryl Henderson going down after Cam Akers went down early in the season, and he steps up over the final six games, a 5-1 and one stretch for the Rams, which helped them punch their ticket to the postseason as the number two seed in the NFC with 540 yards in those six games. He's got career stats to boost too. 3,614 career rushing yards. That's almost 1,000 yards per season. 24 touchdowns, good for 4.2 yards per attempt and hasn't fumbled the football over the last two seasons. That's on 325 total touches. He's he's a physical runner. He knows how to get north and south, but he's also got a quick little twitch when he hits it and goes, so he can make some big runs as well. A good mix of backs that we talked about, Edmonds, Mostert, and Michelle, the three additions to the running back position as far as veterans go. There they go, one, two, three uh, on our list here in terms of jersey number, and they all have really good different skill sets. Number 37, Miles Gaskin. Tied for the team lead last year with seven touchdowns and also has the most touchdowns for the Dolphins since 2020 with his 12, that's receiving and rushing combined, and he also leads the Dolphins in rushing the last couple of years as well. Tough runner, willing blocker, and he is an exceptional option in the passing game, and he's super dependable, so you know Miles is going to be there, you know he's going to know his assignment, he's going to work hard, he's going to be out there on his player day off getting extra work in, he's just that kind of player, and coaches consistently boast his work ethic and the way he loves the game and approaches the game, and that's why he was so productive in high school at UW and now at the Miami Dolphins uh, heading into his fourth season here with the Dolphins after getting drafted in the seventh round back in 2019, almost said 2017. But yeah, I just the the way Miles' game, I think, really is is best showcased is the fact that kind of like we talked about with Savon, like whether he's running a route down the field, he caught a touchdown pass against the Bucks last year on a wheel route or catching a screen pass and picking his way through and making guys miss. He's really valuable in that passing game. You kind of check or chip a block and check up and see, um, see, you know, where your running back is. He can typically find space in those areas and make good plays for you and help you on that third down passing game. Miles Gaskin, a lot of production for him so far, three years into his career. Number 46, John Lovett, the fullback. Another one comes over from Green Bay where he served primarily on special teams. And in college, if you haven't had a chance to go watch his Princeton highlight tape, go do that. He was a mostly run-heavy quarterback, like a wildcat trigger man, zone read type of quarterback. A lot of fun runs in John Lovett's tape, mostly on special teams uh, for the Packers as a pro. And then Zaquandre White, number 47. In his second season with the Gamecocks, he finished with a sterling 6.3 average yards per carry, 557 on 89 rush attempts, and he was second among all college running backs in pro football focuses yards after initial contact with 4.61. 410 of his rushing yards 
came after an initial tackler either slipped or hit him. 73.6% of his yardage after initial contact. So Zaquandre White, we talk about his game a little bit. He made it into the uh, practice notes during OTA, some good cutback runs, finding space and getting into that second and third level. And he's he's built, built very well to run behind those pads. Go ahead and say that. So he can definitely drop the shoulder and bring the hammer. So that is your Dolphins running backs room. Let's go ahead and take our first break on this edition of the Drive Time Podcast and come back and preview the NFC South, our second division on our NFL tour here for the Summer Series on the Drive Time Podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. It is officially summer here on the Drive Time Podcast after June 21st, right? I kind of lose track of the seasons being in South Florida because we don't really get them that much down here. I guess we have a, a bit of a spring and a bit of a fall, but mostly summer uh, during the middle months here. It's pretty hot, so that's where we're at in South Florida, up in the Northwest, a little bit cooler, but still pretty dang hot in the summertime, but it's officially summer. That means we're talking the rest of the National Football League, and we start here in the NFC South as we open a limited time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NC. Previewed the NFC West on our most recent edition of the Drive Time Podcast. Let's go ahead and start with the Buccaneers, last year's division champion in that division. And uh, start with who they are, where they've been, where they're going. You know, in that portion, well, they've got the Lombardi Trophy within the last two years. They were tied in the waning moments of the divisional round against the eventual Super Bowl champions this past season. And as long as they have that guy at quarterback, you have to put them right in the mix in the NFC once again, right? Like, I don't know why you would take them out of that spot. And, you know, we or I enjoy looking at these teams and these previews for how they were constructed because you can see realistically like 32 unique approaches to how to do it. And there isn't really correlation to which ones are successful and which ones are not. No one way to skin a cat, right? And for the Bucks. Well, this is a pretty good way to do it. They've drafted really well for a few years. Then they dropped the quarterback in and took off from there, which, you know, if you can do it, great. Like, that's what they did. That's what the Broncos are hoping to do. The Rams did that with Stafford. If it works out for you, it works out for you. For the Bucks, it certainly worked out. And it didn't hurt for them to land Bruce Arians either, who's done really as much for the game as anybody, in my opinion, legitimately. And he hands this great job off to another great coach who deserves it in Todd Bowles, who was able to retain another very likely future head coach in this league in Byron Leftwich and also Larry Foote running that defense. It's a damn good coaching staff. So they're well coached, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time at the helm, and a roster that was really crafted over years. And even as all those guys hit their second contracts, the Bucks have done a good job to make it all work and get everyone signed back. I mean, you know, Carlton Davis and Jameel Dean drafted in the same year. Antoine Winfield and Sean Murphy bunting a year later. So there's your secondary as far as your top four goes. You pair a, a future Hall of Famer, not your top four. I'm sorry, there's a safety in there. That's that's your three corners and one of your safeties. Uh, you pair a future Hall of Famer with Avante David, with Devin White, the guy who's consistently alongside Jerome Baker on all those linebacker quarterback or quarterback pressure rate per linebacker leaderboards. It's always Devin White, Jerome Baker on those. You wind up with Ali Marpet, who's now retired, and Alex Kappa, who left to the Bengals a few years back. You get Tristan Wirfs over like a three-year period. There's three cornerstone offensive linemen. 
And then you can sign guys too that help fill in the other spots like Ryan Jensen, who's back this year. Or you've got Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Like, I think you guys get the point. This team's pretty good. Where are they going? Well, like I said, they're contenders. And even if Brady had stayed retired, this roster, I think, is still at least a playoff one. Let's go ahead and see what they did in the offseason. Brought in Akeem Hicks. All right. (laughs) Uh, Gio Bernard, Logan Ryan, Russell Gage, Shaq Mason from the Patriots for a fifth round draft pick, Keanu Neal. And like I mentioned, they brought back Ryan Jensen as well. These are all such good, like under the radar moves, you know, back to the drafting point when you draft that well and you can get that depth and you can kind of fill out, you know, draft behind positions of strength and just kind of fill and replace and you go out and drop in some free agents like this. That's how you get cornerstones, quality starters, adequate starters and the like. And then, you know, like this year, for instance, after getting Joy, uh, Joe Tryon Chayunka a couple years ago behind JPP and Shaq Barrett, now they can go get Rashad White behind Leo Farnett and Gio Bernard. Like, it's just clockwork. And uh, who left this year in free agency? Rob Gronkowski, for now, we'll see. And Dominic Sue, same story there. Alex Kappa went to the Bengals. OJ Howard to the Bills. Ronald Jones, the former USC running back, went to the Kansas City Chiefs, and Jordan Whitehead departed for the New York Jets. In the draft, Logan Hall out of Houston, the defensive tackle, offensive tackle Luke Gudecki out of Central Michigan, and in the third round, Rashad White out of Arizona State. Some of the storylines with this team, like, will Brady ever age? <laughs> Does Is he ever going to get bad? I think he's been predicted to do that about 15 times now. It never happens. And what is the contingency if it were to happen? Like, is, is Kyle Trask ready to kind of challenge Ryan Griffin and Blaine Gabbert for the backup role. It's interesting interesting to see what happens in the post-Brady era whenever that happens. And then also the transition from Bruce Arians to Bulls with Leftwich and Larry Foote is at a smooth transition. They kind of kept the band together last year personnel-wise and coaching staff-wise and had that hot start and just played good football for the most part of the season. Can they do that again? When does the, the draft pick rotation begin to kind of take hold? Can Kadecki beat out Donovan Smith or does he play inside? Interested to see what happens there. And then not really a storyline, but there are just so many unheralded players here I wanted to mention real quick on defense. William Golston, Raheem Nunez-Rochez behind Vita Vea and Dominican Sue the last couple of years. It's super deep. And now they go out and get Akeem Hicks. I think the real story here, storyline here is what could go wrong because this feels like one of the most lopsided divisions in the league in terms of your team that won it last year, that's you know projected to win it this year, and the distance between them and the other three teams. What would prevent the Bucks winning this division this year? I'm not sure I see it. They they seem like a, a good pick there in the NFC South. The Saints losing Breeze one year and Sean Payton the next is really the only reason we can say that previous part because when those guys were there, they were consistently competing with and winning that division in the NFC South. And it reminds me of the late 90s when the Dolphins had to say goodbye to Don Shula and Dan Marino within a few years of each other. It's a pretty rough go. But like the Bucks, they had a great staff to leave things with. Dennis Allen's defense has been dominant for years and kind of the focal point of that team in the last couple of years. We all know about Coach Darren Rizzi. Pete Carmichael's been there forever, and I'm sure he learned a thing or two from Coach Payton that he can employ as the OC there. Ryan Nielsen and Chris Richard, remember him, are the co-DCs there. Now, drafting, few have been better than the New Orleans Saints, if any at all. And I still call that 2017 draft the greatest of all time. And it's still a major crux of their roster. Marshawn Lattimore, one of the top shutdown corners in the NFL. Ryan Ramchek, probably the best right tackle in the NFL. Marcus Williams, he left to Baltimore. Alvin Kamara could be the best running back in the NFL. Trey Hendrickson has a billion sacks the last two years. Last year was with the Bengals, though. He did leave in free agency, as did Al-Kadin Muhammad, who was with the Colts. And they supplement each of these guys with future picks as well, like Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, who for my money is the best slot cornerback in the game. Still can't believe he wasn't around one pick last in 2019. And then Ryan Ramchek got Cesar Ruiz up front, another linchpin on the offensive line. 
And then Alvin Kamara, well, the, the offense is kind of constructed around him, so you don't really put another running back in that fold, but you get the idea. I like what they did to help the offense out this offseason. They were more aggressive in that regard than in recent years. Like Chris Olave is an absolute monster, traded up to get him. I thought he was, he was probably, besides Jamison Willie, I think he was receiver too for me in this year's draft. Jarvis Landry's a nice piece, and that helps get Traquan Smith and Marquez Callaway some more help that they could use this year, not to mention Michael Thomas back after a couple years down. On the other side, lots of resources into that front. Cameron Jordan is as good as it gets. They've added Davenport, uh, Marcus Davenport, Peyton Turner, and the unheralded David Onyemeta. It's a tough, tough front up front, as the Dolphins saw last year and, and how they were able to play the Dolphins in that game in the Monday Night Football game that Miami ultimately won but a tough front seven for the Saints. And a big part of that is Demario Davis, who also shows you how teams can use every avenue to improve their football team, free agent signing, trades, drafting. He's one of the best in the game, and that really happened when he got to the Saints on that topic. What about Tyron Matthew? Not a bad veteran acquisition to make at all. It's a good roster with a nice blend of youth, experience, and talent at every spot. So that's who they are, where they've been, what they're doing. Let's go ahead and see what they did this offseason. Brought in Tyron Matthew, brought in Andy Dalton, a big add to the quarterback room after last year. Things kind of got hay off, you know, off the wagon there late in the season. Marcus May at the safety position, uh, Kentavious Street, and also Justin Evans, another safety formerly of the Buccaneers, comes over uh, in free agency. Gone are Teron Armstead, obviously to the Miami Dolphins, Marcus Williams to the Baltimore Ravens, and Malcolm Jenkins also retired. I think they killed the draft again with Chris Olave in the first round and Trevor Penning. I think both those guys are going to play a bunch this year. Cornerback Alante Taylor from Tennessee in the second round. Storylines. Can Jameis, William, Jameis Winston whoops, take a leap? Is he healthy? Is, I thought it was, again, very smart to get Andy Dalton in there to give them a reliable backup in case he can't go or in case something does happen. Uh, Kamara, can he buck that paying running backs trend that has just been to me, kind of like a coincidental in a lot of ways because a lot of these running backs are so good, but an injury, like how can you forecast that? He was he didn't play as much last year and didn't have the production as the previous year, but can he get back to being the Alvin Kamara, who's the best running back in the NFL? I'm curious to see what happens there. Michael Thomas, speaking of former bests, he was one of the best in the league and hasn't played much in two years. Will he be back and ready to go? The weapons are greatly improved. How do they kind of concoct their system to Pete Carmichael, and I know he's the OC the last couple of years, but without Sean Payton, and how long does it take to implement those new pieces? And can the defense keep carrying them? Because they've really been a defensive-led team the last few years. I think they got better on that side of the football. You know, Williams and Jenkins were both big losses, but to get Tyron Matthew and Marcus May and Justin Evans, that's really good work. Let's go ahead and take our last break. We'll hit the Falcons and Panthers and make our division predictions and give you some recommendations here on the next side of this edition of the Drive Time Podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. We are coming to the backstretch of the month of June, which means training camp is right around the corner, a little more than a month out. Let's go ahead and continue our summer preview series here, picking it back up in the NFC South with the Atlanta Falcons, who won seven games last year. But if you look at the DVOA and EPA statistics, all the stuff that Big Seth loves talking about on the Fish Tank podcast or the uh, Twitter Spaces show, that's kind of one of those things you talk about. There's so many variables that can impact the outcome of games. 
Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA right that are beyond your control even at times I think it was also a really good coaching job by Arthur Smith to get seven wins in that season you know and saw a roster that really saw a lot of its marquee players go by the wayside you know Julio Jones a longtime staple there and that's only continued this year as Matt Ryan is now with the Indianapolis Colts and he was in my opinion one of the most underrated quarterbacks of the millennia like to me he was a lot like Matthew Matthew Stafford can he go to Indy and have similar success we'll see but this is about the Falcons and who now have the same quarterback that Arthur Smith used to have in Tennessee with Marcus Mariota. Let's go ahead and see what they did in the offseason. Talked about Marcus Mariota. Cornerback Casey Hayward, formerly of the Chargers, very good player. Running back Damian Williams, former Dolphin, uh, last with the Chiefs. On the offensive line, Jermaine Effetti. Receiver Demir Bird is an absolute track star. He can get vertical in a hurry. Tight end Anthony Ferkser, who was with Smith and the Titans. So too was linebacker Rashawn Evans, who left in free agency or trades. Well, Matt Ryan's gone to the Colts. Russell Gage left in free agency to the Buccaneers. He was a really good player for them. Uh, Foye Aluakon went to the Jacksonville Jaguars, the linebacker. Hayden Hurst went to the Bengals, the tight end. And punter Thomas Morstead is now a Miami Dolphin. In the draft, in the first round, receiver Drake London out of USC. First receiver off the board. Number two, or the second round, I keep doing that. Defensive end, Arnold Ebikite from Penn State. He is an absolute freak. I think that's a great pick there for the Falcons. And also in the second round, linebacker Troy Anderson, who basically worked out like a cornerback in terms of his speed and agility he could be an interesting player there uh, out of Montana and then the third round quarterback Desmond Ritter and that's where our storylines kick off here is this the best camp battle at quarterback that we're going to have around the league this year and it seems like that's kind of less common these days like you do have battles that ensue but it seems way more there are way more jobs that are like already spoken for than it used to be like when I did third and ten dot com you know seven or eight years ago whatever that was I wrote a piece for the, the first year about like the best quarterback competitions and who would win them. And I think there was like seven or eight of them. Now it feels like there's three or four at most. But anyway, that might be the case and might heat up down here in Hotlanta. That's a horrible pun. But it's an interesting dynamic because Mariota was, was benched in 2019 for the Titans under Arthur Smith. And now they're together here again. Then you've got Desmond Ritter, who was not at all happy about sliding to the third round. He could, you could tell he was frustrated on draft night. And when it comes down to whichever quarterback it is, what does the arsenal look like for that quarterback? Kyle Pitts, I think, might be the best tight end in the NFL already. Like he is, he is so so good. And I'm curious to see how he looks in year number two. There was a chart about beating man coverage, and it was a bunch of receivers that were outliers. And then like Kyle Pitts is also up there. He's a unicorn. Uh, Drake London is he the number one receiver? Is it Demir Bird? Is it Zacchaeus? We'll see what happens there at the receiver position. But Kyle Pitts, we know about him, tight end one. And you know we saw. A.J. Terrell make a big leap last year as one of the best cornerbacks in the entire game. They're going to need that to happen in some other spots because they've drafted highly and made a lot of investments in certain spots. Like on the offensive line, for instance, Caleb McGarry, Chris Lindstrom, and Jalen Mayfield, all first-round picks. Matt Hennessy was, I think, a second-round pick. Can those guys take that next step and help that offensive line perform better than it has in recent years? That's a big storyline there. For the Atlanta Falcons, we finish up in Carolina with the Panthers. You know, I love the idea of being aggressive in the quarterback market until you do get your guy. 
But man, it just hasn't worked out for the Panthers with Cam Newton leaving. You know, the legend, the best player in franchise history, Cam Newton leaves. Teddy Bridgewater comes in for one year. He's replaced by Sam Darnold. And now we've heard about these Baker Mayfield rumors, which who knows if they're what goes into that or what's even beyond an actual rumor, if it actually is beyond a rumor. The last one that I actually read was like there was pressure to make a move. And I'm thinking who on who in June? Who? Anyway, that one might Al. Uh, but they did, however, wind up with Matt Corral. So another iron in the fire there at quarterback. But it starts higher than that. You know, can Matt Rule find his footing here in year number three? Ten wins in two years to start off. They brought in Ben McAdoo to coach the offense. And the offense has had trouble getting started. And a big part of that is injuries to their best players, right? Like, I wish we could see Christian McCaffrey healthy for a full season. And kind of how they got to where they are, right? Like, their very first draft under Matt Rule was only defensive players, and it stuck for a good chunk of those two years. Like They had the number two passing defense heading into that game against the Dolphins last year, which was Miami's biggest margin of victory. And then just kind of the wheels fell off. But I mean, like Jeremy Chin, Derek Brown, they've had, uh, Shaq Thompson's there. Like They've had so many good players in that defense that have filtered through there, and it, it shows up in their production. How about Brian Burns? Forgot their best player overall on defense there. Who is new? Uh, to the Panthers this year. Offensive lineman Austin Corbett, that's a good get for them in the interior offensive line. Frankie Louvu, the linebacker, go Cougs. Uh, running back Deontay Foreman, wide receiver Rashad Higgins, I think is a really underrated player. And then center Bradley Bozeman, who's gone. They released cornerback A.J. Boye, defensive end Morgan Fox, wound up with the Chargers. Linebacker Hassan Reddick cashed in after a nice one year in Carolina. He's with the Eagles now. And then defensive tackle Daquan Jones as a, def- as a rotational defensive tackle has been really good for a long time. Daquan Jones is now at the Buffalo Bills. In the draft, in the first round, Ikem Aquanu, the offensive tackle out of North Carolina State. He is possibly the top player in the draft this year for me. He's a really damn good player. And then in the third round, no second round pick, quarterback Matt Corral. Storylines, what happens at quarterback? Is it Corral? Is it Darnold? Is there a trade for a veteran quarterback out there? Maybe, we'll see. Can Christian McCaffrey stay healthy? Did you guys see Robbie Anderson tweet about considering retirement? What about Rashad Higgins, or rather DJ Moore, can he stay healthy? Like, what's the situation in that skill group? Because there seems to be some unrest in terms of just getting guys on the field, getting them healthy. And I thought Rashad Higgins was a really nice addition in that receiver's room. And I just really hope DJ Moore can stay healthy because he's a hell of a player. Can that offensive line play with some continuity now? Rough year last year, might have landed the best pick in the draft, but is that enough? And then can they get back to their early slash midseason defensive form? Some nice parts there, especially in that secondary, getting JC Horn back, he and Jeremy Chin. That's a great young combo at cornerback and safety, as you'll find in the NFL. Some storylines in the division. Do the Bucks run away with it? Can it produce more than one playoff team? And then I just kind of put down Saints and Falcons. Rivalry is always great regardless. And then the coaching tenure I thought was an interesting stat. Matt Rule is the longest tenured coach in the NFC South because then you've got Arthur Smith, Todd Bowles, and Dennis Allen, who are both in year one. Divisional awards. Quarterback is Tom Brady, duh. Non-quarterback for offense. I took Kyle Pitts. On defense, I'm taking C.J. Gardner-Johnson or Levante David, but I'm going to lean towards the uh, star, nickel, safety, do-it-all defensive back for the Saints. Coach, I'm taking Todd Bowles. I think he's a great football coach. Breakout player, I'm taking Joe Tryonchienka from the Buccaneers. I know I didn't pronounce that last name right, but I feel pretty good about it. Rookie Ikem Aquanu uh, is a rookie of the division for me here, and the division champion is going to be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. couple of recommendations for you guys here. I can't recall if I did it on the last episode, so I'm going to do it now. If you haven't been to Cali Coffee in Broward County, very, very good spot. I finally found my coffee spot. It's going to be Cali Coffee from here on. The Iced Americano Chef's Kiss. Uh, Better Call Saul. I've been watching 
re-watching that in anticipation for the final six episodes. And man, I'm so, so plugged. And I find myself on the Reddit boards reading about some theories and things like that. And I, I get lost for sometimes like an hour at a time. But I just re-watching the season and watch a little bit on the plane ride as well was how like there's no wasted shot. Like you'll see a shot and like that's interesting and then they come back to it later on. Uh, just really, really well done. And then I wanted to talk about the Barry season finale on HBO. Season three, spoiler coming in. Like I thought... I thought Severance had the most intense episode of TV I'd ever seen, or at least this year. But man, uh, Barry was incredible. It's funny, you know, I got Kevin in our video department. I got him into the show and was telling him, because he's not to the current season, at least last I talked to him, he wasn't, that I felt like they were heading into the season finale with so many loose ends, and then every single scene was tying up one of those loose ends. And that each time they did that, the tension built more and more. And they used this close-up, wide-angle type of shot during characters' most tense moments, Something about it I really like. I don't know what it is, but it's a really, really well done show. And season four, I think, will be on the way. What a great show it is. HBO really, really kills it every single thing they do. All right. Coming up next is going to be the receivers and I believe the NFC North on the next edition of the Drive Time Podcast. In the meantime, that's going to be my time. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. You can follow me on Twitter at NFL. You can follow the team at Miami Dolphins. Check out the Fish Tank sh- Podcast and the Twitter Spaces show. Uh, Wednesdays at 8, we'll be back with you guys, I believe, next month. I'm not sure yet on that. Also, the YouTube channel for Dolphins Today, Fish Tank Interviews, Drive Time, all the like. And last but not least, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up, Caroline, Daddy, coming home. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.